Good morning. morning. It is really great to see each and every one of you this morning. I am feeling just absolutely fantastic. It's it's amazing what a little facial mask will do for you. (laughs) How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I got to tell you, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, you have to go on Shepherd's Gate's Facebook page to take a look. But I got to tell you, just before we get into this, a really funny thing behind that whole story. So... I come home from taping that, you know, and I'm sitting at the table eating lunch, and Sue, who has no clue of what was going on with you, 1003, um, if you don't have a Bible, you'd like to own one, you're welcome to take the one that you're holding in your hands, as long as the one from the chair. Don't grab your neighbors, but the one from the chair, uh, we'd like to have uh, you have that as a gift from us to you. Um, How many of you um, own a dog? How many of you own a dog? Okay. Any of you own basset hounds? A basset hound? Any basset hound? Isn't this guy kind of cute? Yeah, isn't he cute? God, I mean, such a sad looking face, huh? And the droopy ears. Uh, you know, the short legs. Kind of looks like me in the morning before I have my coffee. <laughs> but I love telling this story about such a basset hound by the name of Tattoo. I like because. The story, it's a true story, and it's, it, it's so illustrative of what we're going to be talking about today. But apparently, uh, there was one day that uh, Basset Hound, much like this, named Tattoo, and his owner, had a little miscommunication going on, uh, because uh, his owner wanted to uh, go up to the store, and so he grabbed Tattoo, they went out to the car, and the owner drove away. Unbeknownst to the, um, Tattoo's owner, um, Tattoo's leash had gotten caught in the car door, and Tattoo was on the outside of the car. It's a true story. And so, you know, tattoos running along the side of the car trying to keep up. And as Officer Terry Filbert puts it, um, he noticed this object kind of like, you know, on the side of this car. So he turned on the lights and everything, caught up to the car, pulled the car over. And, you know, tattoo was okay. Tattoo was all right. Um, But uh, the the officer said that that tattoo had reached speeds of 20 to 25 miles an hour. (laughs) But how many of us uh, kind of feel like uh, poor tattoo, you know? Uh, in daily life, uh, we get all caught up in the world. It's got, it's got its trap. It has its trap. And we think that we just have to keep up with the world. We fill up our schedules. We have no time left. We've got to do everything. And, you know, we're like poor tattoo, just picking them up and putting them down. Picking them up and putting them down. Well, today we're going to be talking about pausing, taking a break as we continue with our message series, On Demand. And in this series, what we've been doing is we've been taking a look at Jesus Christ, the God who created us and who designed us, the one who knows how we best function and how he is going to help us set our priorities for life so that we can live a life that he wants for us. For the first week, we invite and encourage you to go on Shepherd's Gate's website and uh, there you can pick up and watch the first two weeks. Uh, The first week was the priority you. The second week was, of course, the priority of together today, the priority of the pause. And for our time together today, we're going to be taking a look at Hebrews chapter nine, 4, 9 through 12 um, in your Bibles. But first, let's say a prayer. Father in heaven, we come to you this morning. We do pray and ask that now that you'd open our hearts and our minds to receive uh, your word, that it might speak afresh to uh, on us this day. And then, Lord, as we leave today, that you grant us the grace to be able to live it in our daily life. We pray this, and Lord, protect me from misspeaking it in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So we've been kind of using the book of Hebrews to talk uh, about and, and to, uh, the messages for this series on demand. And uh, I kind of want to give you a little bit of background leading up to our focus verses for this morning, um, if you will. So a little bit of a history lesson. If you remember, um, there was a time in the history of God's people, the Jews, that they were in captivity in Egypt and Moses found, or God found Moses in the desert, told Moses to go to Egypt, right, approach Pharaoh, tell Pharaoh to let his people go. Pharaoh wouldn't. There was a series of uh, plagues, right? And finally Pharaoh relented and he let God's people go. And so the Jews left and they escaped across the Red Sea, remember? And Pharaoh's army was chasing them and of course uh, the waters and the Red Sea, as they parted for the children of Israel, they caved in on Pharaoh's army. And so after that, the children of Israel then uh, made it across the desert. God had promised them that he was going to go before them and that he was going to take them to the promised land. The promised land was filled with milk and honey, a lush land where they would find peace. Where they would find peace. And so they made their way to what is now modern-day Israel, and they got up to the border. And God said to uh, Moses uh, and Aaron, he said, send 12 spies into uh, the land to spy it out and to bring back a report. And you can read about this in Numbers chapters 13 and 14. And this is what the writer of Hebrews in chapter 3, verses 7 through 19, is talking about. This is what he's referring to. And so they sent these spies into the land to spy it out, and they came back. They were there for 40 days. They came back and they reported to Moses. They said, yep, it's just as God said. <laughs> he's surprised. They said, just as God said, it's a land of milk and honey, it's all lush, and uh, it's really great, all the farmland and everything. And except, except for the fact that the people that live there are tall and they're fierce and they're strong and they, they lived in fortified cities and we're never going to be able to take them down. We're never going to be able to conquer them. Even though God had said, I'm going to go before you. Trust me and I am going to help you to take the land. So these spies came back. Ten of them reported this negative report. There were two that gave a good report, Joshua and Caleb. And so Joshua and Caleb, so the, the people sided with the negativity, <laughs> which is a lot like what we do sometimes, right? We always kind of focus on the negative. The people focused on the negative reports, and they said, no, we're not going in. They were fearful. But Joshua and Caleb spoke up, and they said, no, trust God. Trust God. He will go before us, and he will, and he will uh, be our victor. And so the people said, no, they got fearful, and they wouldn't go in. Even though God said, I want you to. This is the promised land. So what happened was God said, you know what? To Moses, he said, I've had it. We've been coming across this desert and they've been complaining all the way, this, that, and the other thing, and now they won't go in. Even, they won't trust me. They, don't, they lack faith. So what God did, he said, so this is what's going to happen. He turned them around and led them back into the desert <laughs> toward the Red Sea. And he said, you're going to be there for 40 years, one year for each day that the spies were in the land. And all of those who are 20 years old and older at this time are going to die in the desert and will not let them go in. Joshua and Caleb were eventually allowed to go in because they gave a good report. And so what the writer in Hebrews, what Hebrews is doing in verses four, one, well, 1 through 8 is he's pointing out that the rest that God promised the people in the land, the promised land, the rest that he had promised them was a foreshadowing of the Sabbath rest, the promise of rest that is found 
in Jesus Christ. The promise, the ultimate peace that is found through faith in Jesus Christ. They're going into the land and finding that land. That was a foreshadowing of what was to come in Jesus Christ. And for us, our Sabbath rest is found in Jesus. And that rest is specifically the forgiveness of sins. That we have peace with God the Father because of Christ's work on the cross. And that ultimately our Sabbath rest is the promise of eternal life. But while we are here on this earth, God still encourages us to take time to hit the pause button, to have a Sabbath rest. The Sabbath rest that God promises is for all people. That brings us to our focus verses, verses 9 through 12. If you want to follow along in your Bible or on the screen, so then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. So there you have it. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for whoever has entered the God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. What does the word Sabbath mean? The word Sabbath just simply means to rest. That's all it means. We, you and I, live in a culture that places a lot of demands on our times. Age doesn't make a difference. You know that there's actually a sickness that's been identified out there by the psychology today has actually identified it, and it's called hurry sickness. Here's the definition. It's a behavior pattern characterized by continual rushing and anxiousness and overwhelming and continual sense of urgency. It's also defined as a malaise in which a person feels chronically short of time and so tends to perform every task faster and get flustered when encountering any kind of a delay. Does that sound like any of us here? <laughs> We're having communion, by the way, today. We're having confession. So, <laughs> Oddly enough, as I was preparing for this message, there was a survey that just came out last week. And I read this survey, and I'm like, oh, this has got to go into the sermon. In a recent survey, 75% of those who surveyed said that they believe the dominance of the digital technology, such as smartphones and on-demand TVs, are to blame for the ever-growing lack of patience, which I think is manifesting itself in the driving habits of a lot of people. Respondents reported becoming frustrated after, does this sound like us? Becoming frustrated just after 16 seconds of waiting for a web page to load. How many of us have sat in front of the, the computer and the web page isn't loading fast enough and we're like smacking the screen, you know? <laughs> they become impatient after 25 seconds of waiting for a traffic light to change. Now, given that traffic lights usually run a minute and a half to two minutes, Wow, that is a lot of impatience. Respondents reported losing their temper after just 20 seconds of waiting for ink to dry on a greeting card. <laughs> the other, last, I just thought of this. Last, <laughs> last week we're driving, I'm sorry, honey. Uh, <laughs> I just thought of this last week. We're driving up to, um, I love you. Um, <laughs> 
where were we going? Oh, I know where we're going. We're going. The other day, we're going to visit some friends, and Susan was writing a little card, and she was using a pen that I use, these gel, these gel pens. They don't dry so fast, right? So she's got the air conditioner turned up full blast, and she's got it in front of the air conditioner. She's waving it out the window, and she's like, man, these things just don't dry. So anyway. <laughs> I'm like, Susan, what are you doing? She said, I'm trying to dry the ink on the card. I said, give it a minute. It'll dry. I still love you. Additionally, it only takes 22 seconds for people to start cursing at their computers or TVs if a show or a movie doesn't immediately start streaming correctly. Now, I have this problem with Hulu. I mean, and it upsets me. I, you know, punch up Hulu, I go to watch a program, it runs for 10 minutes, and then it shuts down. Then I got to reboot, and it starts at the beginning of the program again. If a phone takes longer than 11 minutes of charging to turn on, that's too long. Respondents expect to pick up, I love this one. Those who responded to the survey, they expect to pick up their luggage after a flight within 13 minutes. Good luck. <laughs> How do you know you have hurry sickness? Well, um, if you're multitasking and you forget to do a task, uh, perhaps maybe you get up in the morning, you put your clothes on inside out. You're in too big of a hurry. There are some symptoms to all of this. They are exhaustion, fatigue, loss of sleep, upset stomach, tightness in the chest. You could easily diagnose this problem, but there is no cure. There is no vitamin to take. There is no vaccine. In short, what we've been hearing is that we live in a binge-crazy world. We binge on tasks. We binge on checklists. Things that we feel need to get done and do not have enough time to get them done. If we continue to live this way, it's inevitable that there's going to be an accident in our relationships. You cannot have fast relationships. If we have fast relationships, then what's happened is there's going to be a responsibility that's going to be forgotten. Um, someone is going to end up getting hurt, and it could just be you. <clears throat> Some time ago, um, Sue has an uncle that lives in Lansing. I love you, honey. Um, <laughs> Sue has an uncle that lives in Lansing, and he was going to have a party. So we said, okay, let's go to Lansing. Well, the day to go to Lansing came, and Sue, we're getting ready to leave. Sue said to me, she said, so how are we going to get there? I said, well, I thought we'd go the fastest route. We would take, we live at 19 Mile in Hayes. So I said, we'll just take Van Dyke down to 696, grab 696, and head out, right? And grab 96 at the mix, and grab 96 in the mix. Well, someone see, here's what's coming. <laughs> so I said, that's the fastest route. She said, no, it's not. Right away, you can feel the tension. I'm like, yes, it is. She says, well, no. She said, let's take Hall Road to I-75 and take that north to Flint and grab 69 there and take that to Lansing. <laughs> you know what the problem is? You all just want Sue to be right. That's the... <laughs> So I said, no, it's not. She said, yes, it is. So now we're into this <clears throat> rather um, intense discussion on who's right. And so we finally ended up doing what two sanctified believers in Jesus Christ who are married do. We compromised. She took her car and went her way. I took my car and went my way. 
to see who got there first. That's really not what happened. But we did compromise. So we're locked in this protracted discussion about who's right and you know, which way is fastest. And so I said, you know what? Hold on a minute. So I pulled out a third-party arbitrator, my phone. And I Google mapped it. And yeah, both routes came up. And do you know what we ended up having this whole discussion over? How much time? How many of you have done this? <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, two minutes. Two minutes. And here's our relationship. You know, well, it wasn't that bad. But still, you know, so we did end up compromising. We went her way there and went my way home. But you can't have, huh? <laughs> technically speaking, technically speaking, Susan was right. Man, you people are hard. Whew. But I made up for it in speed. It's true in all of our relationships, our relationships with one another. It's also true in our relationship with Jesus. You can't have fast relationships. Taking time to pause, calling a timeout. We need to do that in our daily life. Look at sports teams, right? They call timeouts. They know they use them judiciously. They, they take them and do what? They assess, they, they use them to slow down the momentum of the enemy, to figure out the next play. Let's get back on our, our, our game plan. Let's revitalize ourselves, unless you're the Lions. But we need to call timeout. We need to regroup, to be revitalized by God, and to recall His plan for our life. So the priority of pausing, hitting the pause button in our lives, and entering into the Sabbath rest to take time in our relationship with Jesus and prioritize those things in our lives that we really need to be done. Four things I want to share with you quickly this morning about what we can do as we hit that pause button. What are those priorities? The first is that we spend time with Jesus. That's the first thing that we do. Again, the word Sabbath means rest. And this right away brings to mind Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. Does it not? Does it not? Which commandment is that? <laughs> I need 20 seconds. That's the third commandment. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. To rest and to make the day holy, that's where we get the word holiday from. Just to take a break, to cease from work, to rest and make the rest time holy. We learned in the first week with Pastor John that God's priority is what? God's priority is you. And one of his priorities for you is to rest and to spend time with him. Anybody can rest. Any human being. Even those who don't believe in Jesus. They can rest. But what makes Christians rest time, pause button time, holy, is that we spend it with Jesus. And we do that in private devotion time, reading the Bible and praying. We're reminded in our reading for today of Hebrews 4.12, it tells us that his word is what? It's not idle or dead, but it's effective in living. And there are times when we are in that private devotion time and we're reading the Bible, there are times when, that, when what we're reading is going to point out to us that we are a sinner and that we have gone against God's commands and that we are dead in our sins. Something in our life needs fixing. It's going to happen. God's word is effective. It's living, two-edged sword. But at the same time, it's going to point out forgiveness of Jesus Christ. 
when we ask for forgiveness. And then it'll grant us forgiveness and living hope and strength from day to day. What you're doing right now is practicing this priority of spending time with Jesus. You're taking time out of your schedule during the week to come in here and to worship Jesus. I know, I don't know about you, but when I come in here on a Sunday and I spend time in worship, I'm at, this is my mountaintop. I'm at peace. It may, I don't care how rough the week has been or what we've had to deal with. I mean, I am at, my heart rate drops, blood pressure drops, and I'm able to receive forgiveness. I'm able to think about the day, week ahead, and receive strength for that and count my blessings for the good time. Spending time with Jesus, prioritizing it. Another priority to consider is to make the right choices and the right decisions. Making the right choices and decisions as you grow in Christ, you become able to answer the question, who and what are most important? And I'll tell you right now, that until we get an answer to that question, you and I will be slaves to every invitation and opportunity that comes knocking on our door. Hurry sickness is self-imposed disease due to the lack of clear priorities. But once we have those priorities, we will make the right choices. Without the priorities that God puts into our life, we're going to continue to overschedule. We'll overschedule at work and we'll underschedule at home. We won't schedule with God. We'll say yes to things when we should say no. We'll believe that constant activity is what demonstrates love for our children when what our children need is not a chauffeur or a secretary, but a caring, attentive parent. I'm reminded of Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. I think sometimes we invert the order. I think so often what we do is we seek things first, and then we expect God's kingdom to be added to it. We live blurred and under-focused existence, chasing after things and accomplishments as if we find that we are able to do those that will bring us success. That's not God's way. That's not God's way. Seek Him first and everything else that you need will be added to you. Seek Him first and everything else that you need will be added to you. When you focus on God, He will help you grow and become a more effective witness. He will open your eyes and mind to opportunities and will help us with our priorities. Seek first the kingdom of God. The next priority ties into this one. Discern what is best. Discern what is best. Let us therefore strive to enter the rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Let's not let that happen to us, what happened to the children of Israel. Trust in Jesus. Christ is going to go before you. He is going to walk with you each and every day. There's nothing going on in your life that Jesus doesn't know about. Seek His wisdom, seek His presence, and He will give you that hope and that peace, that Sabbath peace that you need when you need it. Setting priorities enables us to discern what is best. When we don't set priorities, what often happens is that we spend our time on things that are really not all that important. Yesterday, our granddaughter Sarah stopped by unexpectedly. She has her own car now. <laughs> so she's you know, almost like free as a bird. And so yesterday, she stopped by unexpectedly. And I was busy doing some things. And, you know... <laughs> Mind you, I'm getting ready to do this today, right? We're talking about priorities and what's really important in life. <laughs> and, and she goes like, she goes like, so Grandpa, can we play Scrabble? 
And I'm like, uh, I'm kind of busy. <laughs> and she kind of looked at me, and then I thought, here I am, you know. I said, sure. So we sat down, and we played Scrabble last night, spent some time with Sarah, Susan won. <laughs> Aren't you going to clap about that? If you don't set your priorities, someone else will. Write them down. Share them with a spouse. Share them with a friend. Share them with someone in your life. Don't begin by asking, what do I want or what do the kids want? But instead, what do we need? Ask, what does God desire for me in my life? What does he want of me that produces significant, lasting results? Write it down. Share it with a friend. We are never going to get everything done. There will always be something coming onto our lists you need to live an imbalanced life. We've heard people say live a balanced life, right? What we're saying this morning is live an imbalanced life. You know what a scale looks like. In order to balance the scale, you've got to put equal weight on each side of the scale. If we keep doing that with our life, we just keep adding weight to keep things balanced. Not everything in our life has equal importance. It does not have equal weight. So throw away the balance. Not everything is of equal value. One of the helps for the hurried life is to learn calculated neglect. Spend a vast majority of your time and energy on what is most important. And then another focus, another priority would be to live in rhythm. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his work. Instead of living in balance, live in rhythm. How many of you have ever gone to a symphony or a concert? Have you noticed that there's different movements and there's different parts to the symphony? Sometimes it moves, uh, moves slowly. Sometimes the pace gets quickened and it picks up. Think of your life as a symphony. Slow down. Take time for solitude. Take time with Jesus. Prayer. Read your Bible. But then, yes, there is going to be time when we need to pick up the pace. After all, let's, I mean, let's be real. There are things in life that we do need to do. We need to go to work. We need to put food on the table. We need, there are something the kids need to be taken care of, right? The pets need to be fed. Poor tattoo. So we just, there are things in our life that we do need to do. Take time out for the quick things, effective, precise moments, but then always come back to the slow, pausing times. The reason why we develop hurry sickness is that we follow the frantic pace of this world instead of the rhythm of God. And the rhythm of God we notice in our reading for today, the rhythm of God was first noticed in creation. God created, but he didn't get it all done on the first day, and so he rested, not that he was tired. He rested to establish a rhythm for you and for me, a Sabbath rest. The second day he created some more, but then he rested. And the seventh day he rested completely. God has rhythm. So here's what we'd like you to do. The priority, the pause. Look at our schedules. Look at our schedules and where can we create margin? Which activities really make the most significant lasting difference? That's where we will spend our time and our best energy. Now, we may need to make some bold decisions and choices and take some things off 
But remember, we will never get everything done. We don't have to do everything. We don't have to have everything. Follow Jesus. Trust in Him. He will help you establish those right priorities. There are a lot of things that Jesus could have done in His life, but He didn't. His mission was clear, and He followed His mission. His mission was to provide a way for you and I to come back into a relationship with God the Father through His shed blood on the cross. Jesus knew what mattered most. He knew what made the most significant, lasting difference. That's why He went to the cross for you and for me and for the whole world, that we should have that same priority, Him first, and then everything else will be added to us. If you join with me in prayer, we're going to be receiving Holy Communion here in just a couple of, in just a minute. Um, just first want to remind you that prayer partners will be in the rear of the room to pray with you if you so desire during communion. Here at Shepherd's Gate, one our custom is that during this prayer time, I will remain silent for just a bit to give you the opportunity to confess your sins to your Creator, God the Father. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do come to you this morning. We give you thanks and praise. We thank you that you went to the cross for us, that you never lost your focus, that you knew what the mission was and you continued to the cross. We confess to you this morning that we so often get our priorities wrong. Our priorities so often become about us and not you or others. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would grant us forgiveness where we have been lacking in our relationship with you and with our fellow Christians and family members and friends. We pray and ask, Lord, that you'd hear our confession. Thank you, Father, for your mercy and your grace. For your forgiveness through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples. And he said, take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup. He blessed it. And he gave it to them. And he said, drink from it, all of you. This cup is the blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. Come now and receive that forgiveness that is ours in Christ Jesus. All has been prepared for you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do come to you this morning thanking you and praising you for the forgiveness of our sins. We thank and praise you that you've taken care of everything that we need for our souls. And you also take care of everything that we need for our daily life here on this planet. You provide clothing, food, shelter, everything, oxygen, everything that we need to sustain life. We give you praise and thanks for that. For loving family and friends, for doctors and nurses who can be of help to us when we are sick. And we do pray and ask now, Lord, that you'd be with our brothers and our sisters in the faith and those who we carry with us in our hearts who are ill, who are unable to get out of bed and be here today. And 
who are struggling, whether it be in body or soul. We pray, Lord, that you'd surround them with your word, with those to bring that peace and comfort that they need and to bring healing through doctors and nurses. We pray these things for Trisha Allen, Brian Benning, Jerry Betke, Evelyn Buckman, Ellen Carter, Al Kern, Dave Massey, Jim Niza, Edith Patterson, Josh Peters, Nina Sadowski. We pray, Lord, too, that you'd be with those who have lost loved ones, that you'd comfort them with your presence and the knowledge that there is salvation for those who fall asleep in you. We pray these things for the family of Ruth Coleman and the family of Stephen and Sardi. Lord, we uh, also pray that you be with Kevin Teller and Eliza Hensley, who, Lord, were married yesterday. We just pray and ask that you bless them now as they grow together in marriage with you in the center of that marriage. We pray, Lord, all of these things in the name of your Son who did teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. May this true body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen you, preserve you, and keep you in the one true faith till one day you do see Jesus face to face. Be blessed. Go with God and have a fantastic week.